We're good. All right. All right. Well, um, you know, it's just, uh, I just want to say it's a blessing to me to um, stand before you today. And um, if any of you ever get opportunity to teach, I know it's not in a lot of our nature. Um, it just sharpens us. And uh, as we dig into God's word, it um, just encourages me. Um, one thing that I've learned, um, and I'm a slow learner, unfortunately, um, you know, uh, the more I'm in God's word, the more I'm on my knees, um, the better this life becomes in um, as I see my purpose, as I see my calling, and um, there's no greater joy in serving our Lord and Savior. And so I want to encourage you all in that, um, to be in our word. Uh, I'm going to be uh, reading um, from John 13 this morning, so I encourage you to turn to that passage. We're going to read the first 17 verses, and um, as you turn to that, uh, John 13, um, as Scott mentioned, um, the message that I'm going to be teaching on today is learning to lead from the master servant, and uh, it's just a weighty topic as I agreed to teach this, and what does it mean, that, that term, that title, master servant, or, um, or uh, servant leader, that we've been called whether you like it or not, we've been called as men in our families uh, to be leaders, in our church to be leaders. And we have a beautiful picture in Scripture of Christ and the church and what it means to, to see that beautiful marriage of Christ and his bride and how he leads his bride and how we're called to lead our brides. And so I'm excited um, to teach on uh, learning from the master, that we all should have that hunger in us to want to learn. And there's, it's, it's weighty to me in that leadership, there are people that rely on us. And uh, I want to encourage us that um, we need to rely on the master if we're going to be able to lead effectively in our families um, we're living in a world and today that's pulling us in multiple directions. I f- feel it like no other. Um, I just, there's just a weight at times that Satan brings upon me because I feel like a failure. Um, I remember when my kids are young, um, it was just heavy on my heart. Lord, I want to lead them to you. Um, Father, I want to um, wash my wife in the word. And um, just like my brother Scott said, you you know, he's watching his granddaughters and or you're getting into life and there's busyness. There's things that we love to do, whether it be work, our family, and it pulls us in so many directions. And if we're not careful, if we're not leaning on the master as our leader and following his example, we're going to quickly fall into the pattern of this world. And, and it's, it's a pattern that's a wide road that doesn't lead to life. It doesn't lead our families to life. It doesn't lead our church to life. And it oftentimes leads to mediocrity. And uh, so I want to encourage us all um, in that. All right, let's get to the text. 
And this is uh, John 13. It's a beautiful picture. I could read this again and again. I don't get tired of this story, and I pray you would never get tired of this story um, because it's a picture of Christ, his life, what he is about. Um, he's about being a servant. The, I just can't wrap my head around that, that master servant. Those words, those words are in our world a paradox, master servant. Do they go together? They're almost a contradiction. When I think of a master or a leader, I think of somebody in a high position. We think of presidents, somebody in power, somebody with authority, somebody um, that is, um, uh, is powerful and has a plan and of action, and people follow. And it, that picture we're going to read here um, of Christ and the Master, it's not the picture that the world paints or that we often think of. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture that Christ paints for us. And so uh, let's read it. And as we read it, I just pray and ask that you guys read it with the eyes of a child. And I have to remind myself to do that, to come to it with fresh eyes and to ask God to speak through it. All right. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said not every one was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. For very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Amen. Why don't we... uh, Go to a prayer and ask for God's help now. Father, we glory in your might, your majesty, your perfect plan, which um, involved the laying down of your one and only Son. Father, that out of obedience to you, Father, that he went to Calvary for our sins. Father, 
Um, Would you open our eyes to that truth this day to help us understand that our master loves us. Lord, that he willingly laid down his life for his disciples. And Father, that you would call these men before me into a place of worship and a heart of servanthood and of humility to lead their families, to lead in their work, to lead in their church. Father, we need your help for your Holy Spirit to guide us now. So give me the help that I need. Lord, I love these men. I've been asking for you to give me a love for them as my brothers. And I just pray that you'd bless our time. That would be good and helpful and refreshing and bring you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I'm going to set my... and make sure I keep... uh, time here. All right, so servant leadership and uh, how important that is for us as men in our families. And um, before I just jump into this um, message that I want to bring and that I've been studying, I I just want to encourage us, and it was an encouragement as Brian taught, and I want to encourage us all that um, it's so important um, for us as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, to be uh, transformed by the renewing of our minds daily. We live in a world that is consumed, that technology is taking over, sweeping, and we um, are, are clinging. We, you know, we are self-entertained now in our homes. We go to the TV, go to our phones, go to, and, um, and we often forget to serve and we it's so easy to serve ourselves and um, Romans 12 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and Jesus speaks in Matthew 12 and says for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil I tell you on the day of judgment people will give an account for every careless word they speak. And that last statement, we're going to give an account for every careless word we speak, that should cause us to pause. Um, That's weighty. That's, That's words that we don't even think of. Words, how often do we say things that we don't even think about? How often do we think? And I think Ben mentioned this. We just, our thought life just spills over and what are we allowing control our thought life? Um, those every careless words, every careless thought. And so I just want to encourage us as before we start in this, I want to encourage you guys that how do we renew, how are we transformed daily in our minds? We've got to be in God's word. And uh, that has to be. It's a critical. As disciples, we're being sanctified uh, by truth. And it's a process. And if we're not in God's word, um, you know, we're standing by a dry stream or a stream that's trickling. If we're in God's word only once in a while, um, not every day, um, we're, our, that stream is going to dry up. And we know all too often what things look like when they're dry and arid. Things start dying. We are not able to serve, to love those around us when we're not being 
um, consumed with God's Word. And so that being in God's Word, and that's really spoke to me, it's challenged me in my life because I've allowed the business of this world, as I'm sure um, some of you have dealt with, that it just consumes us. And so I just want to encourage us as disciples of Jesus Christ, as followers, that we need to be in, our, in God's Word daily and let it pour over us so that it spills over into um, our families, into a church, into those that we love, that we encounter. I can't love my neighbor um, on my own. And so we need that help. All right, so let's get to it. To the topic, learning to lead from the master servant. And um, I was thinking about that servant. What does it mean to be a servant? And, um, you know, what it means to be a leader. And uh, as we read through that passage in John 13, um, I just thought it was a beautiful thing um, when it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And I just want to encourage us to cling to that passage that we are loved by Jesus Christ, that um, he is daily interceding for us at the right hand. He has conquered death, and uh, he's at work right now on our behalf. And um, that should be an encouragement to us because this life is difficult. As, as my brother Ben, as we are as talking with him, there's I, there's promised trials. There's no way around them. Our families and friends, they're going to endure them. And if they don't have Christ, if, if it becomes a world, and I've watched it, I've watched it in some of my family's life, um, they're at the point of being lost. They don't know where to turn because they don't have Christ at the center. All right. 1 Peter 2.21 encourages us in in how we should lead and how the Master leads us. It says this, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And so um, the primary um, focus I want uh, to talk with you about today in um, being a servant leader and leading or following the master is that the one trait that flows through his character, through his being, through his nature, throughout Scripture, we know it to be truth, is that he is humble. And uh, if you get one thing out of this message, I want um, to understand um, the humility of Christ, that laying down of his life, and that he entrusted himself to the Father. And, uh, and he asked that important question um, to his disciples after he got done washing their feet. He said, Do you understand what I have done for you? And that's an important question. Um, we know that the disciples didn't understand what he was asking at that point or understand what he truly was doing for them, but uh, we see it later um, it reflected in, in the way they live their lives. We've seen that they laid down their lives when they understand 
the love of the master, their love of their savior, and that they willingly laid down their lives. And so I want to encourage um, each one of you over these next weeks um, to, to really examine your hearts. And I just challenge you to open God's word and, and to ask yourself that question, that important question that Jesus asked the disciples, do you understand what I have done for you? And it's a challenge, challenging question that um, I've been wrestling with, that I'm starting to examine my life, and, um, and don't be quick to answer uh, that question. Don't be quick. Um, I have three teen- teenage kids that answer uh, my questions or my uh, statements really quick, as I'm sure uh, those of you who have teenage, had teenage kids answer quickly. Um, often the scenario goes, I see an uh, opportunity for me to impart some wisdom into their life. And so I begin talking with them about direction and, and uh, maybe an error I see in their ways. And I maybe get two words out, and they are really quick to say, yeah, yeah, Dad, I know, I know, I know. You don't have to tell me, I know. And, uh, and that can be a little frustrating at times um, because we want to impart wisdom, and they're not open to it at that time. But, um, so I want to encourage us all to open our minds and uh, over these next weeks to really ask yourself, do I understand what Christ has done and is doing for me as uh, at this very moment. All right. So community is at the core of Christ's nature. And as uh, disciples of Jesus Christ, it should be at the core of our nature. And uh, whether we recognize it or not, pride uh, so quickly, so easily um, creeps in, uh, consumes us, and um, directs us, directs our paths. And, uh, and God has made it crystal clear in Scripture um, you know, where he stands on humility and where he stands on pride. Matthew twenty three twelve says, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And then um, in 1 Peter 5, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with hum- humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so, um, what is being humble? What does it mean to be um, a humble servant and a humble leader? And um, so I was thinking about that. I thought, man, I could go quickly to Webster's Dictionary and give you a definition. But I thought how much better for us and help for us as disciples to go to God's Word and to learn from the Master. And so, um, point number one, I want us... um, to take away from the master is that a humble servant leader obeys their master. And, um, and as I was thinking through obedience, that quickly brought my mind to um, my two dogs at home. And if any of you have worked with dogs, I, my brother Earl loves to do that, and he, he's not here, but um, just what a joy it is to watch a dog work for you that's obedient, that wants to please you. Um, there's just no greater joy. And I was thinking, um, I'm sure many of you have seen the, the movie um, Funny Farm. 
where Chevy Chase has this perfect picture of this perfect family, and he's going to have this perfect dog and this perfect home. And so uh, if you remember that scene, he's coming home. He's got his wife, his perfect car, comes to his perfect home, just got this perfect dog, and he lets the dog out. And what's the dog do? Takes off running and runs down to the pond, chases the ducks, and Chevy's, they're just kind of looking like a little confused, like what's going on here? And uh, pretty soon the dog takes off running across the yard. Chevy doesn't even have a name for the dog and starts yelling, Hey, dog, dog! And the dog just keeps on going and is barking. And so then we, seen, we see throughout that, uh, the rest of that um, uh, movie just uh, scenes of that dog running through, the, through Chevy's yard. He just watches out his window as his dog's just racing back and forth. Um, and though that's funny, um, I have a dog that I, you know, I have a lab and I um, enjoy her. She has a personality that wants to please. And I poured into her when she was born. I, I, I in, well, when she came into our lives and I bought her and brought her home um, when it came to potty training and uh, onto obedience training and, and teaching her what I wanted her to do. Um, she had a desire to please, and she's looking at you constantly like, okay, what do you want me to do now? And, and uh, now I get to hunt over her and watch her work, and though I, I'd like to say she's the perfect dog, uh, she's by far not the perfect dog, but she has a desire to want to please me, and I love that, that she's constantly looking for that. And then my wife, for some reason, decided that she needed a dog, and um, she, she didn't see the need or reason to train it for any obedience. And so I let the dogs out in the morning, and um, I go to the door to let them back in, and who's standing at the door but my beloved Rainy Lab. She's standing there ready to come in and, and spend time with me, and where is that little dog, my wife's little dog, Oakley? He's somewhere gone like Chevy Chase's dog, running. And I'm yelling most mornings for that dog to come back. And I'll eventually see it running across the yard. And um, I'd like to say I'm a patient man with animals. (laughs) But uh, God's working on me in that. But how good it is to have um, obedience, that the Father calls us into obedience. Philippians 2, 8 says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And um, what? I can't wrap my mind around an obedience um, to that point. And what drove my Savior to that point? And, and we read that later in Scripture that the joy set before him, right? He endured. And that we too have a joy that should be set before us because we're going to have to endure. And if we're going to endure this life, if we're going to be obedient to the Father, um, there should be a joy set before us. And I thank God that he sets a joy before us. It's in Scripture. Um, It's been talked about by my brothers. I just love how some of this all flows together, this discipleship, following 
uh, Jesus Christ, following the Master, that there is a day where um, we'll be freed of these chains. There's going to be a day where we're going to be in glory and our minds need to be set on that day where we're with our Father so that we can endure um, this life, um, that we're going to have trials. But what a joy it's going to be on that day. Um, Scripture continues to say, He was crushed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. And um, there's no other God like the one we serve. Um, He is worthy of honor. He is worthy to be praised. And uh, He is worthy to be obeyed. And so I want to encourage us in that um, that obedience to Christ. Um, Ephesians 5.21 encourages us. I want, to, I want to try to bring a couple practical aspects to this um, obedience and this leadership um, in our lives. As, a, as we've been called, many of you are married. And uh, Ephesians 5.21-25 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And um, that's just a beautiful picture of what God intended marriage to be. And what it should represent to us as disciples is that covenant relationship of God with, and, uh, with Christ and his bride. And um, it should drive us in our walk and in our relationship with our wives, that picture that Christ has um, with the church. Um, when God created us, when God created man, he didn't want the robotic masses of worship, right? He gave us freedom, and um, as a Christian leader, there's, there's times, and uh, I've got to repent, that um, I'm just frustrated with my wife because I don't feel like she's submitting to me. Um, and, or, or there's times where um, I, I get frustrated because she's asking me a hundred t- questions about, has this been done? Are you going to do this? Um, what are we going to do uh, tomorrow? And I feel like she's asking, you wants all these answers and is expecting me to have the answers for all these questions. And, um, you know, as I told you earlier, I'm a slow learner. And um, as I've been studying for this um, message, um, in our entryway, my wife has written the word um, uh, initiative. She wrote in that word initiative. And was, I think she did it for my kids, or at least that's what I thought it was for. Initiative. And it, and it says by definition, doing the right thing at the right time. And uh, I, I kind of had an epiphany the other you know, day as I was... Um, I don't want to encourage you guys as men. Um, I'm, I'm going to be learning forever. Um, my eyes, that veil... Yeah, I'm pretty blind at times when it comes to loving my wife as Christ has loved the church. Um, but I want to encourage us as husbands, um, as fathers, as leaders, whether it be in our church, in our community, in our, 
um, it all flows together. But in our relationship with our wife, um, I've learned that she just wants me to be proactive in leading my family, taking the initiative to bring um, decisions to her, that she's my equal, that your wives are your equal, and they want to be involved. They want us to lead them. They want that, and they want to submit. And it's a beautiful picture that God, it's a good thing that God has painted for us. Um, But they want to be, my wife wants me to be proactive in bringing um, important decisions that we have to make. We have so many decisions to make for our families, and we are bombarded in this world by so many decisions pulled in, as I mentioned, so many directions. Our wives want us to take a proactive stance. What are we going to do as a family um, uh, in devotion time with our kids? What are we going to do with our family as in, in the church? How are we going to lead in the church? What, what capacity? How are we going to teach our kids um, to lead? Um, how are we going to lead in our community? Um, what are we going to, you know, television? Are we going to set um, priorities for what we watch on television? All those decisions, so many decisions that we have before us as leaders. And I want to encourage us as husbands to be proactive. Don't be passive. I've been passive so often, and my wife just wants me to be proactive and to come alongside her and say, honey, what do you think about X? And to start making decisions together. But to take that lead. They want that in us. God's called us in that. Jesus has painted a perfect picture in coming alongside the disciples in that. And so I want to encourage us in that, um, to be proactive as leaders in our family and in our church. And uh, like I said, it just flows beautifully in both. And so um, I want to encourage us in that. All right, I need to get moving. A humble servant leader surrenders all to God and his sovereign and submits to his sovereign plan. And, And Ben painted that picture perfectly of that humility and that picture of submission. So I'm not going to go into that deep, um, but I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. It says this, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to, noth- to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who becomes to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And uh, so that is just a good picture for us as disciples that humility submits to God's will, and we know that Jesus Christ, as I read in Scripture, submitted to the Father to the point of death. And um, it just is a good um, path for us as disciples to recognize that um, our boast should only be in the Lord. It shouldn't be in our, anything that he has done for us or given us, but in uh, giving up his one and only son and uh, that he is sovereign and that he needs to be given all glory no matter what path he takes us. All right, number three, a humble servant leads, leader cherishes the gospel 
and for forgiveness. Um, Colossians three twelve to 13, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And um, that's not an easy thing, forgiving um, someone that's wronged us, where we feel like um, it's our right um, to repay evil for evil. And um, I just want to encourage us that uh, forgiveness um, is rooted in the gospel, that you have been forgiven and so forgive. As leaders, we need to do that. Be quick to forgive. Um, um, that humility, that picture, the humblest man I know to have walked the earth, Jesus Christ, was, um, was um, scorned. He was um, accused of being um, arrogant and blasphemous. And so I know that that's going to come to us as leaders. There's times where there's going to be that rebellion, whether it be in our children, in our church, or whatever life, wherever we take that, there's going to be people that say you're um, standing on your high horse and trying to preach to me down low. And um, and the important thing that I want us to understand is um, that vertical that we're going to be accused here on earth. If Jesus Christ was accused, then his followers are going to be accused of being arrogant. Um, so I want to just, I want that humility to be more vertical, that, that God sees his servants humble um, and following after him, hungering after him. All right. Um, number four, humility happily serves others. John 13. Um, and I'm just jumping back. It just is a good picture for, for us again. I'm jumping back to Jesus, um, washing feet. And I'm going to read it one more time. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And again, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked him. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And so humility, a humble servant, a servant leader, gets down low. Okay? And, and when they get down low, our goal should be to lift others up as leaders. It's not to lift ourselves up. If, if we're going to be effective at loving our neighbor, at loving those that enter the church, you know, in our, in our, in our um, workplace, in our homes, if they're going to come to a point of uh, love and respect for us, we're going to have to get down low and, and meet their needs and love them as Christ has loved us. He got down low. He got down on his knees to wash the feet of his disciples. And I want to encourage us to do that too. I know all of, last I checked, all of, the, of you who have wives, um, they have feet. And um, I don't know about yours, but mine likes her feet rubbed. And I'd like to say that I enjoy it. I really would. Um, 
but I often do it, but not with a happy heart. And I want to encourage us in that, that our wives, um, I just want to love my wife unconditionally. I want to rub her feet, and I want to like it. But there's going to be days where I maybe don't like it so much, but I want to encourage us that Jesus said the joy set before him. And so if our heart is, is growing um, our wife's faith, growing our, her trust in us, growing um, um, her love for the Lord and, and, and learning from that, I want to encourage us to love our wives and to lay down our lives. All right, well, I need to finish up here. Um, and uh, I want to do it with this passage. It's one of the most, and as I was studying, it's just an amazing image of Christ's second coming. He's coming back, and uh, we should be looking for that day. Um, because I watched Jesus, or I, I read, we read about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and uh, we have another beautiful picture. And I never thought of this until I really dug into this passage about Christ's second coming. He says this in Luke 12, 35. Stay dressed for action. And so this is a charge to us. And I want to end on this. And I want to encourage us to take uh, this charge. It's a stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and he will serve them. Do you know any other God in this world? that is, gets down on his knees to um, serve the ones he loves? Do we know any other God? And he's coming back, and that's the picture we're giving, is he's coming back, and he's coming back, and he's going to call us to recline at the table and to wait on us. And uh, that just um, floors me. It just overwhelms me that he loves me and that he wants to serve me, a sinner like me. And that should drive us as disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ, to want to love those, to love our wives, to love our family, and to love our church, and to love a world that is lost and is um, dying in their sins. Um, So would you go with me to prayer one last time? Father, we... Thank you that you have given us a great high priest and that we are loved. And um, again and again, what a beautiful picture we have in Christ that he lays down his life for his sheep, for those that are in him. And Father, that we are in a world that is lost, a world that is dying in their sins, Father, uh, darkness is growing. The hour is coming near, so help us to hope for that day when you return, to be looking for that day, to set our minds on eternity with you so that we can love 
our brothers. Father, I just pray for these men that are before me, that you give us humble hearts. Lord, that we would lay down pride, that we would go to you, Father, and seek you first to ask for you to search us and to see if there be any, any wicked way in us and to lead us into ways everlasting. And so I pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us now in these upcoming days and weeks. Oh, Father, that we would seek you first, that we would be in your word, and that we would be servant leaders. In Jesus' name, amen.